Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. Listen to interviews with the movers, shakers, geniuses, and innovators of the financial advisory world. Visit FMGSuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. And now, without further delay, the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. Hi, everybody. Mike Woods here, one of the founding members of FMG Suite. Welcome to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors, presented by FMG Suite. More than 40,000 advisors rely on FMG Suite to help them stay connected, build relationships, and grow their business. Now it's your turn. Visit us at fmgsuite.com and schedule a demo so you can see our tools in action. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with best-selling author Seth Green, who's the CEO and founder of the direct response marketing firm, Market Domination. Seth knows his stuff. He talks about the three marketing trends that have emerged in the past seven months, including the life and death of the public webinar. Seth also talks about the keys to producing and promoting a podcast. It sounds so simple, you might find yourself saying, but it's not. When listening to the podcast, remember that the world of marketing took an abrupt turn in March. Does it turn back? Does it turn left? Does it turn right? Seth's company keeps making up new stuff keeps coming up with new ideas. That's the key. His firm is not standing still. If the market zigs, he's moving with it. Market in Motion podcast, spread the word. How are you doing, Seth? I am fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. It is an honor to be back. Uh, uh, it's great. Well, as some listeners may recall, Seth and I had a podcast about a year ago. and uh, We talked about marketing in general. We talked about the keys to a successful podcast uh, and the power of video. Well, fast forward a year and a whole lot has changed. So I wanted to check. <laughs> a whole lot has changed. Yeah, a whole lot. Uh, so I wanted to check back in with you, Seth, and get an update on 2020 and really kind of get your crystal ball out and forecast some marketing trends for 2021. Absolutely. So obviously, we've gone through, we're recording this at the height of the COVID pandemic. So I think just about every financial advisor or agent who's listening to this has had to pivot in one way, shape, or another whether you were doing dinner seminars or workshops without the food and you had to cancel those and go virtual and transition to a webinar and then watch as the webinar market became oversaturated a lot faster than it took the seminar market decades to get saturated. So perhaps you've eliminated, you can't do your live events or they're not getting anywhere near the attendance they're used to if they're starting to come back. Uh, your webinars aren't converting the way that your live events did and your business has gone perhaps up, perhaps down, perhaps sideways, perhaps all of the above in a very short period of time. So yes, it has been an understatement to say we live in interesting times. Yeah, I think the boy, you've you captured it really well there. Yeah, I the um, uh, let's set the stage for everyone just so they can get your background. You're CEO and founder of the direct response marketing firm Market Domination. I'd encourage everyone to check out that website. It's marketdominationllc.com. Seth, to give everybody a quick background of your company and how it helps financial advisors. Sure. We are a full-service direct response marketing firm. Our primary focus is financial advisors and insurance folks because it's where I started and I still own my practice. I am still in that business. However, I would say about 80% of my time is running the marketing company. The marketing company evolved because... 
I was told to cold call for a living by my branch manager, 300 dials a day keeps the branch manager away. And I was told to do mass market seminar invitations, just like everybody else. I quickly got fed up with banging my head against the wall, working nights, working weekends, running all over town, needed a better way, begged my wife for 30 days in a row to borrow the money to hire legendary marketing guru, Dan Kennedy. He took me from the bottom of 6,700 reps nationwide to the top 30 in 24 months. So revolutionary, explosive growth, which got me written about in a bunch of industry trade journals and magazines. My This was all before the internet, so it was all done via print ads and direct mail. And then my phone started ringing off the hook with advisors saying, how do I do what you did? Dan told me to start a marketing company and do it for them 13 years ago, which we did and have been growing to the point where we've helped several thousand financial advisors, RIAs, and insurance agents ever since. And we're always innovating, pivoting, coming up with, reinventing, trying to stay on the forefront and cutting edge of what works best to bring new clients in the door and generate new referrals for our advisors. Boy, yeah, boy, it ain't, it's, uh, it is, it, having seen your company from the outside, see the growth it's had, it truly has been amazing because uh, reps are always looking for that better mousetrap. Absolutely. We're just like golfers. We always want the next edge, the best club, the newest <laughs> hook or slice fixer, newest technique. So as advisors, we are the same way. We always operate on that principle, the slight edge of, can I get one more? Th I know there's not one way to bring in the 400 clients I want all at once, but I know 400 ways to bring in one client. What's the next one that's going to bring that next person, that next ideal client in the door for me? Right, right. Yeah, it is. Uh, um, all right, so let's jump in. I wanted to, uh, I, I uh, on March 11th, I, I remember the day vividly. Uh, COVID really took root for me. It was the day the NBA suspended the Utah Jazz and the Oklahoma City game. I was sitting down to watch that and they canceled the game and uh, I saw Mark Cuban sitting at uh, courtside and uh, he was at another game. He was, of course, at his uh, his firm's, uh, his company, uh, his team's game. Uh, and there was quite a bit of confusion and uh, people were leaving the arena. The game was over. The game was canceled. Um, and that really was kind of the day for me that uh, it was suddenly we had to take uh, COVID seriously. Uh, well, fast forward seven months and here we are today. So Seth, the first one for you, first question for you is really from a high level, what would you say have been the three biggest marketing trends to emerge in the last seven months? I think obviously COVID killing off or substantially decreasing the live events. I mm. think the oversaturation of the Facebook ad to webinar marketplace and then I think the third one is the resurgence of direct mail and LinkedIn because so many more people are home. So many more people are working from home and so many companies have cut back on their marketing budgets that if you've noticed, if you paid attention, your mailbox, your physical snail mailbox is a lot less in it than it used to, which leaves a competitive vacuum that you can take advantage of. And I think because of all of the job changes and the uncertainty, uh, if you look at LinkedIn stats are way, way up. More and more people are on LinkedIn. More of them are spending more time on it. More of them are actually checking it on a regular basis. So we've been able to pivot and use that for our advisors to generate a lot more qualified leads on a platform that is nowhere near saturated at this point in time. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I think, you know, the first one you mentioned that COVID really killed the live event. Boy, uh, it killed it and killed it quickly. You know, one of the things you mentioned was that uh, you've seen the 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 advent of really the uh, the Zoom webinar kind of come up and uh, you said you've seen it come down rather quickly. Can you give us a little background on what you're seeing with those types of uh, events? Sure. When COVID first hit, it was relatively affordable to generate a lead on Facebook, to fill out a form and RSVP for a webinar. Now, the show up rate was atrocious. It was probably, I mean, it was probably like 30% because they didn't take it seriously. Whereas if they had to physically drive out, you could get a 50, 60, 70% in-person show up rate. On Facebook, it doesn't have the same perceived value. So we found fewer people were showing up, fewer of them were booking appointments and fewer of them were qualified. It seemed almost overnight, dozens and dozens and dozens of vendors popped up in the space instantly saying, hey, we can fill your webinar, we can replace your seminar. Some of those folks are no longer in the business. Some of them were Mm. guys working in their basements. Some of them were real companies that were already in the place and in the space of filling seminar rooms and had to pivot just like we did. I think that the issue was the Facebook ad to webinar was taking strangers, total strangers to say, hey, you don't know me, but give me an hour to 90 minutes of your time and watch what you're going to know is going to be a sales pitch. I think the everybody in the beginning of COVID, I think that was a novelty. And I think mm-hmm. people RSVP'd for events just because they hadn't attended a webinar before. It was new, sure. even though we've seen them all day. Everybody else suddenly discovered this thing was new. And I think that significantly dropped off. I also think another factor is we're recording this is the election spending has poured into digital marketing. And we've seen the cost per lead double, if not more, in the last 30 days alone. And the number of leads, the volume has dramatically decreased. So we found out of necessity that because not only financial advisors are saturating the marketplace, but now there's other money. And a lot of the ads we were running got counted as on a topic of national importance because we were advertising about the stock market volatility or we advertising about financial markets. So we got lumped into the same category that the politicians were advertising on. So our ad costs got jacked up and we simply had to find a better way to deliver a better quality of lead in a shorter period of time. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. That is, you know, the, uh, uh, the vast majority uh, of election money gets spent in the last 60 days of the election. So it's, uh, that's, uh, um, that, that's lines up perfectly with what you're talking about there. You know, it's, it's interesting as you talk about the live event and the Facebook ad to the webinar, you know, reps have really had to learn how to, um, how to, how to really master the zoom call for doing client events. Um, but the, and, and some, you know, I, I read in the trade pubs, Oh, not too long ago, some had mastered how to continue to prospect using these types of events. But the 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 mastery of working with your clients is one thing. The the mastery of prospecting through a video is quite another. Absolutely. I think reps have gotten used to have had to learn if they haven't already. Have they learned how to communicate effectively on video? Have they abandoned the fake virtual background that makes your head look pixelated? and gotten a real professional backdrop if they didn't have one already? Have they learned how to share their screen? Well, I mean, those are just the simple technical aspects of communicating on a different form of media. But you are absolutely right in terms of prospecting. Now they're realizing they've got to work smarter. They've got to be different. 
they can't now their prospects email inbox or social media inbox is getting bombarded more than it ever did before so it becomes more important to stand out from not only a subject line and copywriting perspective but in terms of what are you offering and who are you targeting it has as warren buffett says when the tide goes out we find out who's been swimming naked and right. a lot of advisors <laughs> for lack of a better term have been right. swimming naked and could get away with it because of the marketplace but now because everything has shifted it's not saying you can't generate leads anymore it's just saying you got to be smarter you got to be clever you got to do better than just throwing some plain vanilla marketing to every baby boomer with money exactly right interesting fascinating now one of the things you talked about too was the resurgence of direct mail i wanted to i wanted to dip into that a little bit the um uh, you know, we, I think everyone has uh, seen a resurgence in political direct mail over the last uh, several, probably three or four weeks. Are, are you saying that um, uh, reps are using uh, direct mail again to reach out and to make the contacts d uh, with uh, d by sorting through area codes, all that kind of stuff or zip codes? Excuse me. Absolutely. And if they're not, they should be. And it's not about now driving them to attend a seminar. We've seen a, a, a big push for direct mail to drive to fill a webinar room. We've seen direct mail going straight to a consultation or a 15-minute strategy session because that prospect might, might not be ready for an hour-long meeting to divulge all of their information in a fact find. You may need to do a baby step meeting, a 15-minute, just to warm them up and get them to virtually know, like, and trust you before we found doing a 15-minute and then using that to sell the 60 minute meeting worked better than trying to go straight for marriage on the first date to use a dating analogy. Sure. You know, it's, it's fascinating that, um, uh, to me that direct mail is making a, a, a comeback it, it, for on a variety of levels, but I, I read something today in one of the trade pubs, it was either financial planning or investment news. One of them that, uh, they were talking about, you know, it's it's the age old thing where they, they surveyed people and they said, where do you go to for financial advice? And almost half of people turned to family, friends, parents, um, but only a small percentage of them, or I should say not a small, it's like 30 to 40% will turn to a financial advisor. So, you know, I see a statistic like that and I think, boy, the, the market is still, there, there still is plenty of potential in the market. And it sounds like with this direct mail that leads to that 15 minute consultation, it really is a very low risk for an investor to hop on and listen to. Absolutely. Especially if you think about it, I believe the stat I saw, I read the same article and I believe I, there was a stat near the end that talked about over two thirds of affluent Americans, you know, our ideal prospects still don't have financial advisors. They're still doing it themselves not necessarily because they think they can or because they want to, but because nobody stood out in their marketplace and made an irresistible offer. So I think the marketplace hasn't even, when we look at the baby boomer transition of wet, biggest transition of wealth to the next generation, when we look at the stats about the 10,000 baby boomers turning 65 every minute, mm -hmm. I, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of how many clients are possibly out there and we haven't begun to saturate that market in any meaningful way. So it's a huge opportunity for advisors who are willing to take the leap and do something different to stand out, whether that's using direct mail in a different way, whether it's generating business professional leads or business owner leads on LinkedIn, whether it's just communicating their message differently or positioning themselves differently. I've never been more excited about the potential that's out there right now. 
Gotcha. Yeah, you know, it's it's fascinating too because um, uh, what 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 we've seen is that financial advisors, reps, RIAs, they they've used this period of the last seven months to really up their technology game. It kind of has given them that uh, get out of jail free card, where if they weren't on the cutting edge of technology before, they can get on it now with clients and certainly move that over to prospects because uh, it, it's kind of expected at this point that that you have to invest in your technology to um, what what we the tools we were using uh, seven eight months ago just aren't used, being used today. Absolutely, and I think it's a huge opportunity if you look at even in my own practice. I would say less than 10% of my clients still at this point want to meet in person, even though, you know, we're in New York state and the rules have loosened a little bit and, you know, we'll, we'll wear gloves and masks when they come in uh, again, it's less than 10%. Everybody else has said, we're happy. We're fine with zoom. And I've had on the marketing side, we've had RIAs and other financial advisors that are our clients saying, I've been on, you know, conducting all my reviews via zoom for six months. Why do I need to go back to the office? Do I, you know, my team's been happy working from home. You know, we can conduct all paperwork via either FedEx, DocuSign or snail, secure snail mail. Mm -hmm. What is the point? Can I cancel? You know, can I not renew my lease? Can I save a ton of money on overhead because people realized that they could work from home? I've had an issue um, a tiny bit with my own staff going, hey, we we were fine working from out. Why do we why are we have to come back to the office? And I said, well, I feel that we're more productive when we're all in the same sp building, all in the same space. We can get things done faster. I like the energy better. But to accommodate them, I've had to like give them one day a week is going to be the work at home day, right? Um, sure. And because I said when New York State let us go back, I said, you know what? I gotta believe that it's going to spread again when the kids start going back to school, and they're going to shut down eventually. So if that's going to happen. I want at least a few months or as many as I can get of quote unquote normal in my office before we get shut down and sent back home again. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. You, you almost have to be able to, the, to play the game both ways at this point. Absolutely. And yeah. again, that's opportunity. There are rent advisors who your competition isn't contacting their clients as often as they should. They're not sure. talking to them. Some of them are burying their heads under the sand. Some of them are just saying, see, I told you to buy and hold and pray. And look, it worked. The market came back and everything is fine. <laughs> and you didn't need to do anything active money management or any of that other stuff. So I think that is a huge opportunity for your advisors who are communicating, who are being proactive, who are aggressively marketing. There's a lot more AUM in play. There's a lot more clients available now because other advisors dropped the ball. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Okay, I want to. I'm going to close that one. Let's let's leave the COVID behind. Well, kind of <laughs> partial, partial, partially behind because I, I think everything revolves around the, just how business has changed in recent months. Even this next thought I have that the uh, uh, you know one of the underlying trends that FMG has seen has been an uptick in the you know the financial professionals using the audio and visual in huge numbers, and we see that in the the tools they send out from FMG's platform. We also see that in the number of downloads they do on scripts we provide, um, they and and the number of reps that access presentations. They're they're looking for that content. Um, Seth, one of the things that you work on with your people is you talk about podcasts and how effective they can be. Give us a little overview of, of how a financial professional can augment their marketing using a podcast. Absolutely. I'll give you three quick ways because I know our time is limited. Number one, you can, in, even if 
the FINRA or the SEC say you can't use testimonials, you could interview a client on your podcast for half an hour. In essence, you've got a half an hour long testimonial, even though they're not literally going to talk about you for half an hour, because that client is going to share that podcast on their social media, email. They're going to tell everybody they were on your show, and that's going to generate referrals and new leads. You can generate professional referrals from accountants and attorneys by interviewing them on your show and having them share it with their prospect or client base. And we've got a proven done for you service that turns that whole process into a couple different physical bookstore books that generates even more leads. And then number third, besides interviewing your clients, besides interviewing professional referral sources, you could also interview the two others. You could interview the prospects that you want. So if you were going after affluent lawyers, doctors, business owners, whoever those hard to reach decision makers with money are, historically, you're not going to get through to them cold calling. You're not, you may not necessarily stand out via direct mail or a seminar invitation. But if I interview the CEO of a local company that's doing $10 million a year, if I reach out to interview him for a podcast, I can absolutely get through. He'll absolutely do it because he doesn't perceive it as a sales call. And it starts the relationship off in a totally, completely different way. And then the fourth is you could find out where your clients go for fun. What are their hobbies? Let's say Mrs. Jones does yoga. Well, what if I say, Mrs. Jones, I'd love to, I know some of my other clients would love to do yoga. Where do you do yoga? Oh, I do it at Audrey's yoga place. Awesome. Can you connect me to Audrey? I'd love to interview you, her on my podcast so that our other clients could go to her. She makes the connection. Audrey's thrilled. Audrey gets clients. Mrs. Jones looks like a hero. Audrey shares it with all of her yoga people who now hear from your financial advisor. Mrs. Jones shares it. Everybody's out there sharing your message in a totally different way. Whereas if I walked up to a straight, an accountant I don't know or a yoga studio I don't know and said, hand out my business card to everybody in your client base, they would laugh at me and throw me out. Sure. But That's if right. I interview That's you right. on the show, they're going to happily tell everybody. It's a total backwards way of thinking in terms of how to get in front of somebody else's client base that you want as your clients, but it works incredibly well. And we do it. I think we're pretty, I think we're up to over 80 shows for different advisors right now that are working incredibly well. Fascinating because what I, when I talk to reps, uh, what they look is they think, well, I've got to come up with my own material for the podcast. I've got to talk about the financial markets. I've got to talk about estate planning. No I've got to way. talk about this or that. Yeah, that's that, that, I would that, say that's, that's wrong. I would say if you go do that, the only one who's going to care to listen is you. Your clients pay you so they don't have to worry about the financial markets or learn that stuff. But if you interview people about their life stories, about seven ways yoga can help you have a healthier, longer living retirement or stay out of a nursing home or something like that, all of a sudden, the show isn't about you. It's about the guest. And because it's about the guest, they're the ones who are going to promote it to their friends, family members, clients, customers, or prospects. So all of a sudden it becomes something fascinating that they want, that people want to listen to. You could absolutely do like a five minute market update segment or something like that. However, I would not make that the basis of your show because that's not what your clients care about. Again, they have you so they can ignore it and you can take care of it for them. So don't put it back in their face, give them something else. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. The, uh, uh, the the last thing you really want your clients doing is rethinking their market strategy. Uh, you'd much rather prefer them thinking about uh, any, like a, like any of the things you talked about. Um, the give us an idea. Kind of drill down into what you talked to a little bit. I, I, let's say I've done my um, I, I've interviewed uh, one of the trainers at the, the my local gym. 
uh, about how to stay fit and how how do you have a do you have a um, uh, a three-step program or a, or a, 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 a task sheet about how people should market their podcast, how to get them in the best position to be successful with it, how to put it on their website, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, we have a done-for-you service that does all of that. It does the promotion. It does the guest booking. It does the audio and video editing. It does the graphics. I mean, we literally do everything start to finish. Um, for your listeners, if they go to marketdominationllc.com, watch a really cool four-minute sizzle reel, and then fill out the form next to it, they can get a free consultation with us. It's not a sales pitch at all. It's a 15 minute call directly with me. And I will either explain that process or more likely ask them some questions about their practice. And I guarantee you, we can solve their biggest challenge, marketing challenge in 15 minutes or less. Sure. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's it certainly um, uh, just hearing you talking about it, it makes me turn my hat sideways thinking about, well, um, why why wouldn't you want to interview someone uh it's a it's a great segue and it uh, also um it it helps create that emotional connection with what people are looking for that they want to know their financial advisor in a different way they don't necessarily want them to know uh just about their their expertise they've already hired them for their expertise they want to know exactly. what's going on otherwise exactly they want to go beyond that and learn about more about you as a person and one of the best ways you can do that in a way that will be perceived better than you just talking about yourself for half an hour is the way you interview someone else. I have learned more. I've done 500, almost 500 podcasts myself as the show host. And I've probably done another 300 interviews where I'm being interviewed. And I can tell you, to paraphrase the quote from The Matrix, which is you never really know a person until you fight them. I would say <laughs> you never really know a person until they interview you or you interview them. I haven't found a better screening mechanism for determining if I want to represent a client or not than interviewing them. And I haven't found a better screening mechanism to say, hey, do we want to work for this person if they interview me? It's a fabulous tool for multiple purposes. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it's uh, uh, well, that is a, um, you know, each time when, we, when I when I put this podcast together, there's always a nugget in there somewhere, a nugget of information. But I, and I think, uh, Seth, the one you provided that advisors just have to put their hat on sideways when it comes to podcasts. They just have to start thinking a little bit differently. What, what, what is more interesting to their audience versus what, what helps them, uh, what's easier for them. So good stuff. Good stuff. Thank, um, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. Yeah, it is. A, it's awesome. Um, I wanted to touch on a couple of other things too. Uh, we're, we're about 25 minutes in. want to go about another five to seven minutes. Um, most financial professionals shy away from creating a book, as I'm sure you're aware. Uh, it's it's a big investment of time. They face regulatory issues, um, and they get they get into the whole ghostwriting backgrounds. But but you feel you feel pretty strongly that um, uh, well, I say from reading your website, you feel pretty strongly about the purpose of creating a book and how it positions you. Can you give uh, uh, listeners an idea of what what's the thinking there? Absolutely, I think a book is the ultimate business card. In the word author, if you look at authority, the first part's author. In our society, authors are perceived as authorities and celebrities. I think there's no better way to position yourself as an expert than a book on the topic, which you don't have to write yourself because you could interview other people and use that for the book. So we've solved the compliance and regulatory issues with that process because you're not making specific investment advice, because the content is static, it's never going to change. We've gotten around those issues. 
we've used it to generate an incredible number of referrals and new leads and new prospects. I've had prospects come into my office with one of my books and the shrink wrap was still on it. And I said, you didn't even open the book. You didn't even read it. And the guy said, I read the back cover and the fact that you wrote a book is enough. I'm good. You must be the expert. You wrote the book on the topic. So-and-so told me that gave me this book. I'm in. What do I, how do we hire you? And I, it totally changed the game for me and my practice. It totally changed the game for our advisors who use it in their, in, in their practices through our marketing firm. Gotcha. So the message to reps is be bold, push forward, think of a book, do something, uh, take the time, uh, push it on ahead. And I think, uh, uh, absolutely the, or better yet let us help you do it so you don't have to write a word of it <laughs> yeah I, I think there you go i mean the you've that that again that notion of interviewing people and making that the backbone of the book really kind of takes the um takes the burden off the rep uh but it also it creates a story it creates an interesting tale you could uh so Seth, say i i wanted to write a book who could i do 12 chapters on you know how i help this business owner how i help this individual how i help this pre-retiree would would those be would those be good chapters for a book absolutely you could do we have we call that a client storybook where you are mm -hmm. literally telling the stories through those interviews with those clients or you could do a professional referral book where you're interviewing accountants, CPAs, attorneys, other professional referral sources, and you're telling their stories. And then the best part of that is they'll go out and hand out your book every single month because it makes them look good and they're taking you along for the ride. Gotcha. Interesting. Fascinating. Great stuff. Great thank stuff. You, thank you. All right, last question. Um, you're working on a new approach with some LinkedIn strategies. I know you have a couple of uh, webinars over the next few weeks uh, with FMG set up with our marketing team. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn at the beginning because you were talking about a, a, a really a, a resurgence in uh, LinkedIn not being used. Give, give, give listeners an idea of what your team is working on and kind of pique their interest to have them sign up for one of these webinars. Absolutely. So we've got a campaign on LinkedIn that generates 401k rollover prospects from people who've changed jobs in the last year. We've got a campaign that gets in the door uh, with existing business owners. We've got a campaign that gets in the door with people who have left their jobs to start their own businesses and have financial needs there. And then we have campaigns that go after specific professions that are reachable on LinkedIn and actually check it. So we found, again, a lot more people are on LinkedIn. A lot more people are a lot more active on LinkedIn and they're checking their messages more often, which opens up huge opportunities for us to get you in front of them. Gotcha. But, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that I'm, 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 I check my LinkedIn probably every two or three days and I've seen within the past, Oh, I want to say past, I would say, man, I'm going to say, I'm going to say six to eight weeks. Uh, I get, I'm seeing more personal messages, more messages exactly. directed at me. And it's new. I don't. I, I would get those, but I would get those typically from uh, someone I knew, someone saying, hey, you know, I'm applying for a job. Can I use you as a reference? Something like that. But now I'm getting uh, uh, people that want to connect with me and then they're just probing for business. And uh, it's it's subtle. It's not it. I don't find it. I don't find it overbearing or anything. But uh, is that kind of the, the direction you're taking this? Well, we're doing it. I, I'm biased. I would say we're doing it in a better way than that. How, gotcha. And we're, we're adding value first before we ever ask for anything. But uh, 
the and and I think if you follow that process, it'll work a lot better. It's the same thing as going to a networking event back when you could go to them in person. If you just walked in and every person you met, you told them what you did and gave them a business card and said, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. It doesn't work very well. If you build a relationship first over seeing somebody multiple times before you ever ask for anything, it works a whole lot better. Just take the analogy of human relationships and dating. You didn't ask your wife to marry her on the first date. You shouldn't ask a prospect to get married either. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good stuff. Those are, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a good thought, a good way to end it. I think the whole notion of adding value before you start to ask for something uh, is I think too often overlooked. Absolutely. So Seth, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, Seth, a great podcast today. I think the uh, a lot of great ideas that reps can run with, but uh, if, if you want to make take the shortcut reps, uh, check out Seth's company at marketdominationllc.com marketdominationllc.com. A lot of great content there, a lot of great ideas. But I, I think, you know, one of the, uh, you know, reps could hear this call and they could say, well, I can do that. But the challenge, Seth, is that um, it may change in three months. It may change also again. It, it's going to keep zigging and zagging. I think, I think if there's anything I've learned over the past seven, eight months is that what worked maybe 60, 90 days ago, mm, you know, you got to kind of reinvent. The cycle is reinventing quicker. And uh, uh, if, if, if you want to stay on the cutting edge, look for Seth and Seth's firm for help. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Seth, great talking to you again. Same time next year. You got it. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Market in Motion podcast for financial advisors. If you found this episode informative, please share with your peers and colleagues. Visit fmgsuite.com to discover more great resources and products to transform you into an extraordinary marketer and grow your advisory. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.